Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Muy buenos días, ¿cómo están? Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour. Los saluda Edgar Navas, fundador de Clica. Y Silvia Salazar, fundadora de Tono Latino. Buenos días a nuestro episodio número, ¿qué? 80 y... 84. Cuatro. Y bueno, y hoy tenemos a una invitada local que se llama Tammy Wood. Tammy, ¿cómo estás? Buenos días. I'm great, thank you. <laughs> We're just messing with Tammy today. We, we wanted to see what her reaction was saying. Like, oh, we invited you to uh, a startup founder uh, podcast, yeah. and it's all in Spanish. Yes. I, yeah. uh, uh, it's going to be a little bit tricky for me, but like, <laughs> I'm super good at faking it. I love I love the face she was like. <laughs> and the producers are, the producers are yes. giving us a thumbs up because they heard it. Because um, today's in English, so. But yes. we wanted to scare Tammy a little bit. Well, no, just mess. Hey, Tammy, thank you. It. Thank you for coming to the show. And, you know, f first of all, we just met yesterday after, you know, a couple of years meeting in, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. In the Twitter That's stratosphere. time. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, you know, a little bit, you know, what do you do? Well, first, where do you come from? I come from uh, Southern California oh. originally, but have okay. uh, born in born in Southern California, raised in Portland, moved around many times lived in Miami for a year, so you'd think I'd know a little bit of Spanish, but like, un poquito. Um, and I don't even think I got that right. No, you did. Oh, okay, you yes. Yeah. You just need a little more Q and hi, yeah. un poquito. Un poquito. Un poquito. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, been back in Portland for about 14 years now. Okay. And worked um, in tech with startups for the last 10. Okay. All right. So so, so what drove you, you know, into the te uh, startup tech world? Um, let's see. I was working in commercial real estate when the market crashed in 2008-2009 and as I was starting to look around for what my next life would be, I was running with a crew of guys who were starting to do big things in tech and when I started going to events and really kind of exploring, um I found that the startup community was just really interesting to me. It was, uh, I was raised by a father who was uh, a photographer, but also very engineering, mechanically minded, loves puzzles, um, and a mother who is an English teacher, writer. So tech and the constantly moving and changing and breaking things and fixing them again, and then also like talking about it and shouting kind of fit both those personalities that I've gotten um, from them. So... I looked and looked and looked until I found an opportunity to get in. Um, and it was interesting because at the time I was running around with like the founders of Urban Airship and Jama Software and all these companies that were doing really well. So I was like, oh, this is great. And then I started working for a startup that was at 13 people and I was like, oh, this is, oh, a, this this is, is maybe not thing. great. And when I left, there were five. So it was, oh. um, yeah. Um, so I'm having a little bit of allergies today. Uh, so it was a really 
good perspective into what it's actually like to be a founder mm-hmm. and um, the work that goes into it. And so one of the things that I've really um, that has really kept me in tech and kept me working with startups is uh, I thought you were waving at me. I was like, hi. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Is that desire to make sure that people are educated about how hard it really is and that that's okay. Um, It's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel like you don't know it all as you're doing it. So... That's my very long answer to your super short question. Yeah, no, but it was but actually be, good, great yeah. length. Uh, yeah, because and we have the both perspectives. So you, you were for two very successful uh, startups. I mean, already on their way to becoming a multi-million, you know, not no yep. longer startup, <laughs> not a real company, and then you know coming back down. Yeah. So um, over the last about ten years, I worked for. Um, Let's see. Uh, startup that was, as I said, was at 13. Um, mm-hmm. I did some contract work with Urban Airship. I've worked with some uh, very small, small startups, five, six people doing contract work as well. Um, was at Jaguar Land Rover for three years. Um, before that, at eBay for about a year and a half. And now I'm back with uh, The Riveter, which I don't know what we're at right now, maybe 80, but we're about oh, two wow. years old, still very much a startup. Yeah. Um, moving, shaking, changing constantly, shifting, but um, doing really exciting things. Very cool. And what is the Riveter? Uh, the Riveter is a company um, where community, where programming events, where content, um, where co-working spaces all built around um, creating more equity for women in the workplace. Um, our tagline is we're built by women for everyone, which we recognize that we can't do this alone and that we're also far from the only people who don't have a seat at the table. So we're kind of here for anyone who's a woman, who's an ally, who's underrepresented, who wants to learn how to better themselves and also Mm -hmm. better the world around them for others. Okay. We were lucky to be there at the Riveter new offices here in Portland last night for precisely an event to build community uh, this one specifically was because of Span- Hispanics Heritage Month. So Tammy and her team organized a panel um, of presenters. I was lucky to be one of them. And it is a beautiful space. So if you're yes. in Portland or visiting Portland, you need to come visit the space because it's absolutely beautiful and open and welcoming. Thank you. Um, and as a woman, it is definitely... You can tell that it was built by women and uh, because it has things like a mother's room. Yes. That <laughs> looks like a spa. Um, and you feel the love and not like an afterthought as you would feel in other co-working spaces yeah. or other offices where you as a mother are in a very vulnerable stage of your life. Uh but, leaving your baby at home and you have crazy hormones and trying to figure out how to feed your baby. And usually they put you in a dark closet with a door. Hopefully it locks. And then this is where you're supposed to be by yourself. Um, and uh, I know that the Riveter's not about talking about the mother's room, but I really, really, really <laughs> need to emphasize that it is definitely very obvious how it was built by women because it takes these 
things into account that for somebody else might be like a second thought. Well, and, and my perception, you know, from yesterday and from the event is like, yeah, uh, other than the room that I saw, was, oh, it's pretty cool. But it's it's, it's no longer a, a tech bro uh, fraternity house style of, uh, you know, of building. So like, okay, it's inclusive. It's, it's more like a living room. Yeah. Like it feels like it feels like home. Yes, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, we. Um, I think one of the things that we've um, we've been able to create so far with the way the space is. It's lovely. It's open, like you said. It's bright. It's light and airy, even on our dreariest days in Portland so far. It just stays really nice in there. But um, the way that it was designed has been really thoughtful to create places that people can find and make their own. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, if you, if you want to sit at a table, great. We've got that. Some people like to work from their couches. We've got couches for you. We've got little corners where you can tuck yourself away. Um, the same thing with our, our plans, um, our membership plans is what works the best for you. And that might be five hours a month, 10 hours a month, all of the hours a month. But we really, we understand that just like, um, just like not everyone's the same, that applies all over your life. So mm -hmm. you need a space to be, but you need that to look like you want it to look. So we're trying to kind of give people the opportunity to tell us what they need to make their lives better, what they need to be successful at work, um, whether that's with their own company or the remote worker, and also really working to create communities within our spaces, um, which I think we're doing exceptionally well in Portland. Um not to pat myself on the back, but I have an awesome team, and I'm going to pat all of us on the back. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. No, no, fantastic. I, I think that it's, I don't think we've talked, or since I've been in the podcast, we haven't talked a lot about co-working spaces. And as a, as a startup founder, it might seem, I don't know, in some ways, depending on how you look at it, it might seem like a little bit of counterintuitive to pay money to go somewhere else to work instead of staying at home. But the truth is you staying home alone, saving, quote unquote, that money instead of going somewhere where you can see people, it, it doesn't help you. You're not really saving anything. Um, you, I have now been lucky to go to a co-working space and... Just having other humans around you is energizing. Uh, even if they are operating a completely different business from, from you, sometimes there's a pattern of, of problems that arise across many different fields. And so you hear a conversation, you're like, hey, you might have a suggestion for them or they might hear that you have a problem. And then the community building starts to happen and you create connections and networking that you would never have been able to do that if you're home alone by yourself with your computer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, what What you hear a lot is, in addition to that, which is all things that I am hearing from our members every day, um, is that it's just really lonely. Also, being a founder, you know, you're, you're building this thing and you're building it by yourself. And when you're sitting in your kitchen or your, your dining room table building this thing by yourself, um, it's, it just feels even harder. It feels like you're really alone in the world. Um, 
And when I was doing contract work and kind of with my own little business, um, I spent way too much time on social media and going out at night because I just needed that human interaction. So, um, you know, we have people who come in once a week because they're okay working from their kitchen table, but they really just want to be around people to retain that balance of like, okay, I'm not alone in the world. Mm -hmm. And also I have people here will support me and, it's like creating an creating a team for people who don't have a team. Yes, and that that human connection that you said, um, because in my case, for example, I would be home alone, and then my husband would arrive, and then I would just like dump all the thoughts that I had in my head <laughs> at this poor man that had been working for nine hours and he's no. like oh my god you need to stop and on top of it i was talking politics and he's like you, you you're just too depressing you need to stop <laughs> and my other alternative is that i i i as a hobby slash job let's call it uh i teach a workout called bar method and so i was sort of interacting with people but it's not really an interaction if i'm barking orders at them and telling them how many push-ups they need to do but nobody's giving me anything back so really there was no back and forth with other people uh, and that was I still felt lonely like you said it was just a very lonely journey and co-working spaces that allow you to model however you like in in a beautiful space where you look forward to going yeah make a huge difference yeah um and and it goes you know when you're talking about co-working spaces um I think it's important to understand um, and this is something that we're constantly driving driving home with my team, or that I'm constantly driving home with my team and with our overlords, is um, everybody comes for a different reason. So you've got people who are literally coming for a desk because they need a place to work that's not their dining room table or their basement. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got people who are coming for community, and then you've got people who are coming for both. So it's creating those touch points the way that people need them as well. Like you want, we're having a member breakfast. Wonderful. And if you want to come and take your plate of food and go back to your desk, great. Like we hope you'll engage. I promise I won't hold it against you if you don't, though. Yeah. Um. Now, you know, we're all founders, and we, we, we've been in that situation, you know, both in co-working and the office. Um, how do you precisely you know, get, get people engaged and, you know, get out of their comfort zone? Because we also tend, you know, especially in tech, that's inherent, you know. We're trying to like, okay, oh my gosh, I just want to be in my little. Please don't talk to me, or, or or please talk to me, but I don't know how to answer. Yeah. So how do you incentivize people to to engage? Um, we let's see. Well, food. People that, will all yeah. engage with their food. Food yep. and booze. Yep. Yeah. Um, we actually don't do a lot of booze. Um, we find that. I mean, periodically we'll bring in wine, we'll do happy Mm. hours, but um, we have found that it's not really necessary. I think it's kind of a thing. Also, we have some members who would prefer to not attend things that are alcohol-driven, so we are more inclined to do breakfasts. Um, We did, it was our one-month anniversary on the Mm. 22nd of last month, so we did an ice cream social in the kitchen. Um, We have a Slack... um, workspace that has several channels that people can introduce themselves and make asks and offers to each other. And we really, um, 
we really strive to get our members actively using that and engaging with each other, like however you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a member thank me um, recently for the work that my team does really actively creating all these different ways that people can engage each- with each other. And he was like, I worked at, I will leave the co-working space nameless, but he was like, I was working at another co-working space here in town for a year he's like and I don't think I ever talked to anybody when I was getting coffee he's like I could go an entire day and no one would acknowledge me he's like here there's somebody at the front desk when you walk in all of you know my name he's like I feel like it's okay to talk to other members in the kitchen because I sat down next to them at breakfast the other day um, or I read their intro on slack he's like you are continuously offering all these ways for us to get to know each other and He's like, it really impacts our experience mm-hmm. here. So, and then he brought his wife and kid in later this af- that afternoon to see the space. And I was in a meeting with somebody and was like, hold on, there's a child over there. I have to go meet them. So <clears throat> I went and met the child and then I met the wife. <laughs> and the first thing she said was, my husband loves it here so much. He comes home so happy every single day. Thank you. And so if you're getting that as a man, too, in a space that's built by women, um, for women, but also for everyone, it really feels like we're doing something right there. I think you just pointed out another way that it is built by women because a lot lot of other co-working spaces or other companies have most of their events at night when parents, especially moms, are not able to attend. Um, because they have, you know, child pickup or they're going to spend time with their kids at night. And so and that should be the happy priority. hours. Yeah. So having breakfast. I went, I went to the event yesterday because I wanted to get away from mine. <laughs> <laughs> and but, there's also that. Yes. And who stayed home? Yes. Yes. We have to thank. Shout out to, the, to my to lovely the wife. wife. Yes. yes. Who is awesome. I've never met her, by the way. But uh, yeah, it's just a... Typical thing that I don't I don't think people have bad intentions. It's just mostly in the industry, it's organized by men who are able to go to happy hours because their wives yep. uh, many times are staying at home. And clearly the Riveter makes a distinction by creating events on purpose that are at a different time where a lot of moms are available and they're not feeling bad because their kid is out of school and they're not home spending time with them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same within the morning. We understand that um, a lot of a lot of parents are getting their children off to school. So breakfast isn't at 8. It's at 9.30. Uh-huh. Um, to allow for that time, like, get your kids off to school. Take care of what you need to come, come in. in. Yeah. When you get there, we'll have hot food waiting for you. Um, and you can, again, sit or... Sit at your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want. What does the name Riveter come from? Rosie. Rosie the... Okay. She is... You can't see me, but I'm flexing my arm. (laughs) Well, you can see some... Yeah. (laughs) That image of that lady that's sort of wearing like a jean shirt, right? And a bandana. With a bandana, red bandana, mm -hmm. short hair, with yellow background and showing, flexing her muscle and showing us her From World War War II. I should probably... No more history, history, excuse me, behind Rosie. Wow, tongue-tied. 
right now. But yes, she was uh, instrumental in getting women into the workplace um, back during World War II. And um, she's phenomenal. I actually have a picture of my niece dressed up as Rosie the Riveter. Oh, cool. It's beautiful. She's amazing. My nieces are super rad, which is another reason I still live in Portland. Start a community, my nieces. That's all I need That's to it. keep me here. Yeah. <laughs> so, how many Riveter co-working spaces are already in the country? Um, we have three in the Seattle area, um, two in LA, one in Denver, Dallas, Austin, and Minneapolis. So oh, wow. ten. And, and started by by like a group of women. It was yeah. Our founder. Um, was founded two years ago by Amy Nelson, who is um, also a CEO. She was a mother when she started. She now has four four daughters, all under the age of, I think, six. Oh, oh Lord. Wow. So, She's my hero. Yes. And wow. also why we all have beautiful mother's rooms and our spaces, because she was a new mother when she started this. And there's not a place for me to pump. There's not. There's no place for me to take care of the things I need to do to be a mother, but also be successful in the workplace. So, yeah. So when she saw our mother's room, she's like, oh, oh, yes. I'm telling you. I am also going to go use it right now. Can I have the key, please? I... I told my husband yesterday, I'm like, you need to go look at the mother's room and see how beautiful (laughs) it is. And he was... He went in there kind of reluctantly and then he bumped into people and they said are you looking for the bathroom he's like no i'm looking for the mother's room and then they gave him a weird look like why i'm like just tell him that your wife sent you to go check it out because it's amazing and it is it looks like a spa it is a beautiful room and um and it is solely a mother's room some of the feedback we've gotten from women who have joined our spaces is um that they came you know, the, the mother's room was the tipping point for them of like, I'm in a co-working space right now. They let people use it for phone calls. They let people use it for meditation. Like it doesn't have a lock on the door. How can you not have a lock on the door of a mother's room? Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, well, the, that room is solely for mothers. If you're not a mother, sorry, you don't get to hang out in there. And if you are, then you're really lucky because it's an amazing. Yeah. Lovely room. All right. Well, we're going to make a pause really quick to pay the bills, but we'll be back, we'll be we'll back be in right 30 back. seconds. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into a modular setup, keeping quality high and simply charging fees for the targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. We're back. And we're back with Tammy Wood from The Riveter. Tammy, uh, you know, and I had a question in, in a world because there's a lot of co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're fortunate to be here on one of them. And actually, the original in Portland, I yeah. think. Uh, shout out one to NetSpace. Yes. Sure. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been great. You know, shout out to producers that, you know, have done this possible. But in, now it seems that there's co-working spaces everywhere. Oh, you know, yes. How do you... And I don't know if you know from like when they started this company, the Riveter. How do they in a, how do they came up with an idea? Say like this is how we're going to be different. Because there's was literally at the point in time no co working spaces that were 
providing what the Riveter was trying to do. So, um, and so I think the thing that sets sets us apart, apart from our design, which obviously you you two have seen, um, but it, it's a very open floor plan. Um, we have round tables. We have plants. Um, it feels more like, you know, like you said, a living room living or room. a coffee shop or both of the two mashed together. But um, we really have thought, tried to work hard to be thoughtful about our design and making sure that there are places for people to run into each other um, instead of being uh, stuck in cubicles or in offices. I mean, we, we do have some offices, but um, there was nobody at the time that was providing spaces that actively felt like you wanted to be in them. Um, you weren't just walking into an office, but you were actually walking to a beautiful environment that also gave you what you needed. So... Mm come in and sit in this beautiful environment and we have coffee and tea and milk and all the fake milks and snacks um, and the mother's room and the phone booths. Um, but I think that I think that beyond just the co-working space is the community and even more than that, it's the mission of the company. So I think that what sets us apart um, and hopefully will continue to set us apart as more co-working spaces come up and potentially go down and um, is that we are mission driven. We do have a purpose that's bigger than getting butts in seats. Um, it's actually changing the future for people. Okay. Now, uh, you, you have a variety of startups in the in, in you know in the co working space. Mm -hmm. You know what? Uh, what kind of startups are are you seeing coming in? So um, we have. Marketing, um, marketing startups. We have folks who are working in healthcare startups. Um, we have a woman who is doing two-person startup. Um, she's building an app that for people to learn Spanish or Spanish speakers to learn English. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and she's fantastic. She just joined us from WeWork Labs, actually. Um, we are also seeing a lot of remote workers in our space. Um, it's been a pretty even split of startup founders and remote workers, and we're finding that the remote workers, um, even more than the startups, are looking for a community. Um, you know, their teams are their teams are in London or mm -hmm. in New York, and um, in some cases, I don't think they even realized they were looking for the community, but they got the community. Um, Bonus, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unexpected bonus, and they're like, "You, we, I came here. We have one woman named Liz who I just adore, and she said, you know, I joined because it's pretty and it's like three blocks from my house.' She's like, "But I also feel like I found my people here, and she's like, oh, something cool. that I wasn't expecting.' Yeah. So I was like, "Yeah, thank you. We love you." <laughs> she has a team, but it's all remote. Yep, and. I I have when I was working for a company I have worked remotely for a, a little bit. I had to work remotely for five weeks because I was sick and I couldn't go into the office. And it is so lonely, even if you're on the phone and on, you know, uh, different calls and instant messenger. Talking to people, it's not the same as no, actually human seeing humans. Um, and so it makes it it does not surprise me at all to have people that are part of 
larger organizations, but with their teams all far away from them, that they would ask for a beautiful space where they can also put it in their routine to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a shower mm-hmm. and I'm going to get dressed I'm and not just pants. crawl yes. from my I'm bed in my pajamas <laughs> To we, the desk without doing my hair because I just need to my computer. Or just no, change just, your shirt and do your exactly. hair for yeah. the call while for you're still the wearing your pajamas. Yes, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't even need to shower. No, you yeah. do part of this routine that's a little healthier. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, it yeah. smells better. There's, there's both. Um, you know, I never would have seen the similarities between remote workers and, and founders um, had I not actually been in a role where that's what I see every day. But, you know, the loneliness, the lack of community, um, I think as a remote worker, you're still actively trying to build something for someone else. And it does feel like you're very much on your own. Um, You know, you're not solely responsible for building it like you are with the founder, but you still have that sense of being on an island kind of. Um, So, so we're seeing a lot of that as well. Yeah. And and now going back to the, the motor that you got, guys have um, built by women for everyone mm-hmm. we were talking about before the show it's like the the, the the theme of equity and inclusion that everybody seems to be just you know pandering but now it's the buzzword of the it's year it's the buzzword oh, of, it of the couple of years yeah and we well equity out some, is new yeah. first it was just diversity and inclusion now we've got the equity within the last yeah. like year year and a half so, so what, what, how do you guys approach that and how do you um, differentiate those two terms the equity and inclusion Um, I think, well, you know, one of our, part of our mission is creating more equity for women in the workplace. So you've got that piece of it, um, which is, is directly in line. Um, women, you know, when, when you're using the word women, um, if you're not being thoughtful about how you're designing these spaces, how you're building your communities, um, even the words that you're using, um, it's very easy to only speak to white women um, and I am a white woman. And so I, this is something that I am constantly learning and trying to be better at. Um, and so with the programming that we do, we're trying to educate ourselves as much as we are other people um, on how you be a better ally, how you learn to, um, how you become more inclusive with your, with your words, with your actions, um, with your impact on the community, how do you listen? So, I think that one of one of the things that I'm constantly striving for in my own self um, in the work that I do with the community and trying to support founders um, is really listening to what people need versus assuming that. I have all the answers because I legit have like almost no answers ever. Don't tell my boss that. Um, <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't get to decide what other people need. Um, I can't even say that I should pretend. I, I shouldn't even pretend to know. Mm-hmm. So creating opportunities that people can come into our space and listen to people um talk about what they need, talk about the issues they face, talk about um, the bias that they feel. Um, it was really interesting with the Latinx Founders event last night is is listening to all of these, you know, five, five people um, sharing their stories and sharing challenges and seeing these overlapping moments. You're looking at five 
five people from five different industries. Um, but some of those continuous challenges that they face or the way that they feel that they take up space or, or don't want to take up space. Um, and I think there's so much to be, to be learned from just listening. And so um, I think that the thing that we're doing around DEI that I think is going to actively make things better is that we are providing forms for people to talk versus us to tell. Does that make sense? Yep. La. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. Like it. Yeah. I have, yeah. There's light coming from the ceiling and opening and shining on top on top of Tammy <laughs> because I love everything she said and I agree with you uh, because it's something that I'm also trying to do um, and that I see a lot because I, for example, belong to an amazing Facebook group of people of color, mostly mostly women, uh, majority black women, but there's a couple of us. Um, Latino and other minorities. Um, and one of the biggest complaints that I see from, from my friends in this group is that the the majority population is always trying to tell them and they think they're allies and then they don't listen. So they, they say, oh, we need to do this. And it's like, no, you need to sit down and listen because this is what we need. And you're not really being an ally if you're just making a decision and you all agree and you think this is a great idea when it's actually not a good idea. And these are the reasons. Yeah, it's it's not uncommon. And it, I mean, you see it in you see it in workplaces, you mm -hmm. see it in corporations, you see um, it's just kind of an, an inherent thing that happens anymore as assumptions are made about about what employees need about what. I mean, it would be very easy to make them in our space itself is, oh, this is what this is what our people need. It's like, but like. Do they? Do they, or do you just make that assumption? I was like, you know, decision? let's yeah. actually pull them and let's like see them. if that's yeah. right. And sometimes it is, but oftentimes people are like, you know, like that's super great. But actually, what would be the best is if yeah. we had this. So, so I have a, an example. A couple of years ago, we went to a conference in San Francisco, the Tech Equity and Inclusion, and they decided that year that the bathrooms were going to be uh, like unisex. And I'm talking about the conference room, so they um, inability of the urinal. So everybody was going in. It was the most uncomfortable oh, no. experience. So everybody said, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. no. So, I mean, great gesture. They're like, oh, yeah, everybody should be feel warm. But, but, oh, my, everybody was like, you know, in, in, the, in the channel, social media, like, yeah, no. There's some things that were like, yeah, no. Yeah. no, no. I mean, you, you just made it very uncomfortable, super uncomfortable for Everyone on the conference. They had good intentions. <clears throat> good but intentions, but the delivery was was not, maybe not. Yeah, and and you have to look at that too. You have to look at um, the impact of all the people with the decisions you make. So, in a situation like that, you also have to provide restrooms for the people who are also not comfortable. Like you can't you can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. Um, but you do have to listen and you do have to ask the questions before you make make the calls on things, especially when they impact the majority of folks. Correct. Or directly the people that they're trying to make life better okay. for. Yeah, exactly. Because like when you bust their life, it's super not helpful. <laughs> no. No, no, no. But that's... Um so yesterday, you know, also the, uh, at the event, you know, we you know, had amazing panelists. Um, Thank you. 
Yes. <laughs> One is right next to me, by the way. It was great. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm not I, just saying that because she's here. Uh, it was very hard. I just have to do a shout out to our friend Leo Ochoa from Dorsum. I sort of never want to be in a panel with him again because he, oh, was, he was such so a good poet. Oh. Yes. He was such an eloquent poet. Yeah. And I and I don't e- mean to put people in like gender roles, but I thought it was a little bit funny. I don't know what other word to use that he was the most I guess emotional of all of us and yeah. all the three women were a little bit colder, more so now I'm glad Detached. Sylvia said it, not me, because I'm like, oh, the man. <laughs> no, he was. He was a. He would s- share his stories in such a beautiful, poetic way, and I was like, oh my god, I never want to be sitting next to him in a panel again, because. I- yeah, don't you agree? I do, I do, and so I've known Leo for probably. Almost two years now. Um, when I was at Jaguar Land Rover, we had an ERR program, so Entrepreneur in Residence. And the idea around it was to um, donate office space to underrepresented founders, mm-hmm. three to six months, provide them with resources, um, desk space, things where they can grow. Um, and so Leo was introduced to me by Juan Barraza. Um, Shout out to Juan. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Love him, too. Um and uh, I met with Leo, and I just fell in love with him immediately. He was just so excitable. He was so excited about what he was building and how it was going to change all the things. And he had such a great story. Um, and I was just was like, okay, you're in. Because like, I just want your energy everywhere. But um, And it's genuine energy. Genuine yes. energy. He's exactly. always like that. Yeah. Exactly. Positive. He's oh, so positive. He, he's just the best. So, um so I know he has that passion inside him and that like true feelings, like deep feelings about like what he cares about. Um, but I've never seen him on a panel before. I'd never seen this need, side yeah. of him. And I was just, just blown away. So, yeah. And he was sincerely afterwards. He was like, people got really quiet while I was talking and it kind of made me nervous. And I was like, well, Leo, it's because you were, you were amazing. Were listening. They were listening. Like you want the audience to get quiet yeah. when you're talking because yeah. that means that they're like sucking up every word you're saying. Yeah. Um, I was like, Leo, you you were making impact with your words. So like be excited that the room was like you rocked yeah. it. I no, interrupted I, I, your and question and, because and, I, well, I can't remember the Leo. question now, but yeah. <laughs> look, look, and obviously he's much younger than I am and but yesterday, I was like, I went back home and was like, and, and you know, we go to startup, you know, events, and we actually put up a startup events. But yesterday, I was like, wow, Leo said something really important. I don't fall in love with your project because that's the moment you stop touching it and making it better. And I was like, wow, yeah, wow. I mean, simple words, but they're like, yeah, like this is the moment that we, yeah. And it came in a moment to me that like, my gosh, it was like a little bit more of energy, like. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. At first, I could not understand. So this is a story that Leo said he's an artist, and his one of the best pieces of advice he ever got was from an art teacher that told him, do not fall in love with your art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what kind of art teacher is this? <laughs> I was like, this is BS. Like, what is go- happening? And then Leo got to really to the lesson of... You need to fall in love with the process. And it's the same for work. We can't fall in love with the product that we're developing because it's going to evolve, especially if we listen, Mm -hmm. like Tammy was saying. If we listen to our audience, if we listen to the target market, they're going to give us feedback 
And they're probably going to tell us to change a few things that we are like married to and we need to divorce them right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, and fall in love with the process of of making something better. And I think it's easier if you have a mission instead of a product. Mm -hmm. You want to change the world for X, Y, Z. Sure. And then you don't attach yourself so much to the product. You just want a way to get there and you're willing to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, yes. Um, so go, going back to what, what Leo was saying about not falling in love with it. And I think that this is the one of, one of the things that I've seen while Leo has been building this because I've known him now for a while and watching him build this is that he, he will periodically be like, oh, yeah, so he shifted and, like, this is what I'm doing now. So the product is, the idea has stayed the same. The market has changed a little bit. Product has changed a little bit. But he's continually listening to, it's, he has since the beginning continually listened to, like, his art teacher. Or when he's doing a display, listening to feedback from people who saw it. Um, sorry, it's moving away from the mic. Um listening to the people that he presents to and that he pitches to and adjusting this this product that he's building in his business. And I've talked to founders before who have said, you know, I built my business around something that I needed, but I didn't ask if anybody else needed it mm -hmm. too. And in some cases, those founders have crashed. In other cases, they've been so close to crashing that they've been like, oh, what do you, what do you all need? I know what I need. And people are like, oh, well, we kind of need that, but mostly we need it to do this. And he's like, great, I'll make it do that. And then suddenly the company goes off and skyrockets. But um, it goes back to that listening again, is not assuming that because what you need is what everybody else needs. Like saying like, this is what I need, but I'm going to ask the questions. No. And, and and that's precisely you know I'm, I'm, my I founded a startup you know with my co-founders uh, four years ago, and so it's a little bit more mature. You know we're rocking and rolling ups and downs like any any other one, and that's something that you know I talked to my team early today. Who's like, listen to this, what I heard yesterday from a younger kid than us, and again it's like we you know keep getting in, in involved in the day to day, uh, what are, you know problem solve. Putting out fires, now doing this, running left and right. But you know, we, we should not let you know ourselves stop asking those questions. And next week we're going to roll out a campaign. You know, you know, starting to engage more of our, our customers on our social media channel. Like, what what are we doing wrong? Mm -hmm. What else can we do? How can we make this better for you? What do you want? What do you yeah. want? Yeah. And uh, by the way, we have no money, but <laughs> just tell us we have no money to do it. But yeah. but we will figure it out. Well, you have to you have to drop the the founder ego. Oh yeah, and you have to just be humble and listen. And I think that's really hard, and especially when you're a founder, like you have so many doubts um, that you want to be really careful that you're still strong about what you're building, but also that you're able to ask the questions and make sure that like you're building it with bricks and not straw. Mm -hmm. True. Don't look at me like that, Tammy. Edgar, are you building your business right? Have you asked the yeah. questions? Uh, I don't He's know. He's working on the campaign. <laughs> I don't know yet. All right. Yes. We'll check back in in a while. L let's check back in a year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, we're still here, so uh, it keeps rocking rock and, and rolling. And you've evolved. We've evolved, yeah, little, little by little. What is your business? So Click has started as a um, uh, passion project. 
looking to solve the problems of sending money back home for the immigrants. Oh, wow. For, and we wanted to do it for free. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> so that's how it started. All right. Yeah. And that's how it is. I mean, yeah. we, and we're still trying to figure it out, how to keep it free for users, uh, how to solve the problem of like time. Uh, sure. space like instead mm-hmm. of you going to a physical location and paying Western Union and I'm gonna name them or moneygram and uh, send cash back home and takes you know a couple of hours or several cost a lot of money mm-hmm. like about 25 yeah. percent oh, yeah no it's, it's expensive to send money. very expensive because there's a lot of intermediaries and then your relative has to go to a place pick up the money hope it doesn't get mugged and go pay bills so what don't we said well why don't we just pay the bills from here it's a lot of steps yeah, to a get lot it from of steps. one hand to the next. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It can take hours and it takes a lot of money. So yeah. there's a lot of friction and we have mobile phones. So why don't we just pay the bills from here? And we charge the uh, service provider you know, a small fee so we can you know, cover our costs. Again, it, need, it requires big scalability yeah. because you know margins are, if I can tell you paper thin or razor thin, it's an understatement. But... And, and again, how do we do that? So we build the application, we built all that, and now how do you get it to mass market if you have almost no money? <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It I, is tough, yeah. and, but here we are. I have faith in you. Thank you, Tammy. You got this. So, so does my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Abuelita. That's what Abuelita. we learned last night. Abuelitas are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I don't know, somebody else was saying, uh, oh, what was her name, Paloma? Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. Yeah, Paloma it's like, yeah, my, my parents, and I think one, one, one of my parents is actually watching, like, they don't know how much is into this. <laughs> like, they don't want to know. It's like, uh, you don't want to know what's a risk. Plug your ears, parents. Plug your ears. But both of them are entrepreneurs, so they know they know what it takes oh, sure. yeah. to build it. I mean, it's either all or nothing. Yeah, but Alon is giving us a signal, like a football signal. Like, is that offside? We have too much. <laughs> so we got a couple of minutes, Tammy. But tell us a little bit. You know, so uh, you know, you're a derivator. But what's your, um, you know, your next five years? What are you doing? Startup community. What are cool things happening with Tammy? Oh gosh, I've I've never been good at the five year plan. Um, or two. One. Yeah, two, one. one. Let's let's go with one right now. This is twenty twenty. Um, I really am excited about what we're building with the Riveter. Um, not just the co-working space, but the events, the programming, um, the ability that we have to support um, the people who who are not me, who are not us, um, to support everyone. And um, I think that you can look at that as a mammoth statement in supporting everyone, but we also have the ability to do it by create continuing to create um somebody tweeted last night at me um in response to the picture that i posted of that panel and they were like you're creating an amazing living room for these conversations i was like oh, that is exactly what i'm doing yes <laughs> um so i think really working to continue um to continue creating opportunities to get people in the room and have these conversations happening. Um, you know, I'm used to giving my time to groups like I urban teen, like Latino startup weekend. Um, and some of that is shifting with my role. Like I no longer get to host workshops with the I urban teen kids and bring them in and like introduce them to engineers and designers, but there's other work that I can do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things for me is figuring out how to create enough balance in my life right now that I'm not just working all the time, but I'm also being able to continue doing the work that really drives me 
and that I think really makes the differences in our community and, and staying engaged beyond just like what happens in my four walls. Okay, pretty sweet. Where, where can we find you, Tammy, and the Riveter on, on social media? What can you what? what? Where, where can, can we, we find, find you? you? Oh, um, our I am at Twood PDX. Um, the Riveter is at Riveter Co. And uh, you can hashtag the Riveter Portland. Riveter Portland. Woo-hoo. Well, thank you so much, Tammy, for coming space. in, and thanks for for the, the great event yesterday. Let's let, let's keep thank it rolling. Thank you so much for being there. Absolutely, it was, it was my pleasure Our and pleasure. also my Beautiful. privilege. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Latino Founder Hour. Yes, have Your a host, beautiful Edgar. Silvia. Beautiful weekend, rainy, maybe not. I don't, <laughs> we'll I don't think it's gonna be so beautiful, but maybe. Yeah, beautiful, maybe where you are. In your heart. <laughs> beautiful in your heart. Happy Friday, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 